0: Well, welcome to the crossing today and happy veterans to all of our veterans um, that are here. It is good for us to honor you because we give honor to those whom honor is due. And so you are due honor, and we are excited just that you've joined us and that we can be a part of this with you. Well, before we go on, let me go ahead and look in the camera and welcome all those who are joining us to our Southeast campus. We love you guys, our microsites, those who are watching online. Let's just give them a big welcome. Glad that you're part of the Crossing family with us. Well, if you weren't here last weekend, then you perhaps missed the only time that a church actually handed out money to you. Now, this may have been the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life, but I went to my bank and I got enough $1 bills so that everybody in our church could get one, and we handed those out. Now, this was not the church's money. This was my money. And so I I had asked you just to carry those all week long and to bring it back this week. And I hope you remembered because my wife and I, we are quite fond of our house. And this is the money that we would use to pay, that we're going to use to pay for our mortgage and our utilities. And so I've just been trusting you with my money all week long. And so you can put it in the white boxes. Don't put it in the offering boxes. That's for the church. This is my dollar. This comes back to me. Well, here's the reason that I did that is I wanted you to feel the tension of carrying someone else's money. Now, some of you have been feeling that tension all week long. You could not wait to get here just to get rid of that dollar. But here's the truth, is that you carry someone else's money every day. It is God's money. That you carry God's money. And the foundational principle is that it all belongs to God. 100% of what you carry is God's. The money in your wallet, it's God's. Your savings account, your investment accounts, your retirement account, it's God's. Your house, your cars, your clothes, God's. And we need to feel the tension of carrying God's money. Because when you carry someone else's money you have a responsibility. And if you are a Christian, this is not optional, that there is a relationship between your ability to follow Jesus. The Bible talks about Jesus being the Lord of our life and your willingness to get your financial house in order. And this isn't about giving. This is about how you manage all of your resources, And so last week, I introduced to you just a simple financial plan based out of God's word that this works for all of us, no matter how much or how little money you make. It is called the 100 plan, the 100 plan. And this is sometimes called the 10-10-80 plan, which of course equals 100. We also call this the give, save, and spend plan. And here's the, here's the whole idea of this, is that you take the first 10% of all your sources of income and you honor God with it by giving it to the local church that you belong to so they can advance God's causes in the world. Because of your generosity... We were able to respond immediately this this week to the fires that are happening in California. We sent $5,000 to Convoy of Hope, which are passing out supplies to people who have lost their homes. That is because of you. Every time you get paid, you face a test. Who are you going to put first? Are you going to put Visa first or Amazon first? Or are you going to put God first? Because Visa can't bless your finances, Amazon can't bless your finances, but God can. And we honor God with the first and with the best, and God promises us that he will bless the rest. And this is what we talked about last weekend. And I just need to tell you, I've been so encouraged this week because I've had so many conversations with people, said, Shane, I'm in. I I am going to try this. There are so many of you who gave for the very first time, and I have been praying specifically for you all week long that God would show you his blessings, that you would see them in a tangible way. I just believe that God is at work in our church. See, some people are tempted to think that tithing would decrease your financial margin in your life, but God can actually increase and create margin when we put them first, because here's what God says. God says that 90% of our income that is blessed goes further than 100% on our own that is not blessed. Listen, financial margin starts when tithing begins, because you invite God into your financial picture, and God becomes part of your future. Now, that was all last week. That was all last week. Now, the second 10%, is that we take the next 10% of our income and we set it aside and we save it. We save 10% of our income to prepare for financial storms in our life and to prepare for our future. And the the question maybe I would ask you, how many of you would say that I had no idea I was supposed to save for the long-term future? Okay, none of us would say that. None of us would say that because we all know that we should do this. We just haven't made it a priority. Money Magazine actually reported in a, in a recent survey that one out of three Americans has zero set aside for retirement. Zero set aside for retirement. So I mean, just count down your aisle. Every third person, if if this church follows statistics of our country, one out of every three of us have nothing saved for us. This ought to be a wake-up call for all of you who are in your 20s and 30s because this can change your life and change your future. Now, this final 80% is that you take that for all of your needs, that this is what you live on, and we will talk about that next week. Now, we all believe that there is a connection between money and happiness, Whenever you, want, whenever you hear somebody say, well, money will not make you happy, it's usually, you know, like a pastor like me says that, and we go, yep, that's right. But none of us believe that. All of us are like, try me. You know, I'd like to just try to see if more money would make me happy. There's actually a connection between happiness and money, and it's not what you think. See, we assume the connection between happiness and money is this word right here more that if i had more money i would be more happy if i had more money i would be happier this is actually true if you live in poverty that if you don't have enough money to buy food and you don't have enough money to provide for shelter having more will actually make you happier But once you pass the threshold of meeting your basic needs, more money does not make you more happy. But there is a connection between money and your happiness, and it's not more. Because you know a lot of people who have a lot more money than you, and they're not happy. And you know people who have a lot more money than those people, and they're not happy. And you know people who have less money than you, and they're happy. See, money and happiness do not connect around the word more. It actually connects around another M word. It's the word margin. It it is margin. It is not how much you have. It is how you manage what you have that determines your happiness. Because when you have margin, it brings a sense of peace in your life, that you are not living on the edge all the time, worried about how you're going to pay all of these bills that are coming in. Those who have margin enjoy life more, they enjoy what they have more, and they have better relationships. But if you mismanage your money, you actually undermine your peace. If you spend everything that comes your way, it is going to bring worry and discontentment, and it will actually rob you of the very thing that you are chasing after, which is peace. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 41, because we're going to look at this great story in the Old Testament that deals with this topic right here. We're going to look at this story where we're going to learn some principles for us about what God says about this whole idea of margin. And there's two main characters in this story that I want you to know about. Now, the first is Pharaoh. Now, he is the king of Egypt. Pharaoh is the king of Egypt. Now, maybe you think, well, I know about Pharaoh and Moses. Well, this is a different Pharaoh. The the Pharaoh with Moses is, is hundreds of years past the story that we're going to look at right now that the Pharaoh, it's what his name was, he was just the king. They called all of their kings a Pharaoh. Egypt was the wealthiest, most powerful nation in the world. And not only was Pharaoh king, he was considered a mediator between the gods and the people. He was considered almost Christ-like because he was the connection of all the people to their gods that they worshipped, and in Egypt, they had all kinds of gods that they worshipped. Well, there's a second character in our story. It's the character of Joseph. Now, this is not the Mary and Joseph, Joseph. This is the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Joseph. Jacob had 12 sons, and Joseph was his favorite of all of his sons. Now, parents are not supposed to have favorites, but Jacob did, and Joseph was it. And because of that, Joseph's brothers hated him, and they eventually sold him as a slave into Egypt. Well, fast forward 13 years, and through an incredible series of events, Joseph ultimately becomes the second most powerful man in Egypt next to Pharaoh. That's the story we're going to look at today. But God gave Joseph this ability to interpret dreams. And so Pharaoh had this disturbing dream. And so Joseph came in and was able to interpret this dream. He says, here's what your dream means. Your dream means that there is going to be seven years of abundance in Egypt. There's going to be seven years of such abundance. We have not seen abundance like this before. But it's going to be followed by seven years of severe famine. The famine is going to be so bad that people will forget about the years of abundance. And then Joseph gives this counsel to Pharaoh. He says, And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt, during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. So here's what's happening in this story is that Joseph interprets the dream, and he says, Pharaoh, let me give you a little bit of counsel. During these years of abundance, these seven years of abundance that are going to happen, I suggest you take one-fifth, you take 20% of all the grain that's coming in, and you set it aside. You just store it up, because eventually the famine is going to come. And here's what Joseph knew, is that Joseph knew that, that times of prosperity prepare us for financial storms of the future. He says, we do all this so that we won't be ruined by the famine. Now, let me just call a time out for a second. Let's be honest. We are living in economic prosperous times right now. It was 10 years ago, right this moment, that we were in the worst recession that any of us have seen in our lifetime. It was 10 years ago, this month and last month, that everything is collapsing in our financial systems, that everything is going down. There is panic, that companies are going out of business, that people begin to to lose all of their money. But fast forward 10 years, and unemployment is at the lowest that it's been in 50 years. The real estate market has recovered and is back and growing. The economy is thriving. The stock market has reached record levels this year. But instead of using the season of prosperity to increase reserves and save for a rainy day, most Americans are buying more, they're charging more, they're financing more, they're spending more, and they're saving less. It is like we have completely forgotten the lessons that we learned during the recession. We've completely forgotten it. Well, this story goes on and it says the seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. So, there's, this famine is the, in the entire world in this region right here. And it's affecting all of these other countries. But it says in Egypt, there was food. Why? Because Joseph had created margin. Because Joseph had used times of prosperity to prepare for the financial storms of the future. And that's what we all want. We all want margin in our, in our finances. We just don't think we can afford it. It goes on and it says, when all of Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you to do. It says when they began to feel the famine, because the famine had been going on for a while, but they didn't feel it. No one really felt it at this point. See, this is what happens all the time. This is what happens to so many of us is that we see other people in trouble. We've watched people lose their jobs. We've watched them lose their house, lose their savings, lose everything that they had. And you would think that that would cause us to change our ways. But it doesn't until we feel it. It's not a crisis until we feel it. That is just human nature. It says, when the famine, um, when the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And the whole world came, next slide. And the whole world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe everywhere. See, Joseph knew this day would come, he knew that it would come. So when the famine hit, he opened the storehouses because he had prepared for it. See, this section of Scripture gives us tremendous wisdom because economies rise and economies fall. They always have and they always will. Stocks go up and stocks go down. That's what stocks do. Gas goes up and gas goes down. It always has and it always will. That we can't prevent a financial storm, but we can plan for it. We can plan for it. Now, here's the big idea of today, because I think this idea right here, it can change the way that you think about your money. It's this idea right here. How you manage your money is a spiritual issue. How you manage your money is actually a spiritual issue. But this is not how we think about money, because we think those are are two separate things. Because we think, well, this this is my spiritual life. I pray, I read my Bible, I go to church, I try to serve my community, I help out people who are in need, and this is my financial life. This is the the places that I spend my money on, this is where I earn my money, and never the two shall meet. But when you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, how you manage your money is a reflection of your spiritual life. So what do we do? what do we do with all this? I'm going to give you a couple of practical takeaways. And I realize that you are smart people. You are smart people. You've, you've read all the books. You've listened to all of the podcasts. And there is no magic formula. There, there's not a magic formula. But it may be what stands in the way of you having peace when it comes to your money. And so I just have a couple suggestions. Now, these are not great suggestions. I'm just going to admit to you. You probably have better suggestions than I do, but these are the best that I can come up with this week. And this will work whether you are a Christian or not. If you're not a Christian, this is optional. That if you want to live under financial pressure, that is a choice. But if you are a follower of Jesus, there is a better way. And Jesus does not want you to be slave to the lender. So here's the first of my very lame suggestions that I have for you today. Number one is it's going to take a decision. It's going to take a decision. Now, this could actually be a takeaway for any message that I give on any given Sunday, that you have to decide to do something. You have to make a decision to do something in your life. It's like working out. When we think about working out, it's not about the difficulty. It's about the discipline. Nobody says the reason that I don't exercise is because I don't know how. Nobody says that. It is the discipline that's part of it. And I am deciding, you are deciding to create margin in our lives. But you have to decide, I am not going to live like this anymore. I'm not going to live like this anymore. The wisest man to ever walk the face of the earth besides Jesus, Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 21. He says, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. What does the wise man do? Okay, let me just help you out here. The wise man stores, the wise man stores, and the foolish man... He devours everything as in the house of the wise, there is margin In the house of the wise, there is more than enough. But in the house of the fool, he devours all he has. Notice Solomon doesn't say in the house of the wealthy is margin. He doesn't say in the house of the six figure income is choice food. He says, in the house of the wise. It does not matter how much or how little you make. We all wish we made a little bit more. The wise understand that God entrusts us with a certain amount. And the way that we manage it, it becomes a spiritual issue in our lives. You have to decide that you're not going to live like that anymore. It takes a decision. And this is probably the only step that you need right now but I'm going to give you a second one the first one is it's going to take a decision here's the second suggestion is it's going to take a plan it is going to take a plan for you that you need to put a plan together a few verses earlier in Proverbs 21 here's what Solomon writes he says the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty Now, some of you are spontaneous people, and I think that's great. I need spontaneous people in my life because I have to actually schedule out fun. You know, I'm just not spontaneous. So it's like, okay, next Friday, I'm going to have fun on that day. I I just have to schedule it out. So I need people like you. But it is that same spontaneity that has gotten many of you into trouble. I I have a buddy of mine who every day, he drove by this car lot on his way To work. And so one afternoon, he just stops and he was just going to go in and see these brand new cars. He was just going to go look at them. Well, two hours later, he is driving out of the driveway in a brand new car that he had not intended to buy and he could not afford to get. And then he went home and he thought his wife was going to be so happy. So he went home and he goes, honey, look at this brand new car I decided to get today. We're only going to be paying on it for the next seven years. Aren't you happy about this? (laughs) See, there is something about us that haste leads to poverty. Haste gets us into trouble. It is the plans of the diligent that lead to profit, that lead to margin. In the 100 plan, the first 10% goes to God. And the second 10% goes to savings. Now, if you don't know where your money is going, forget about having margin. You need to have a plan. You need to develop a plan. And just like last week, I gave the 100-day tithing challenge. I challenged everybody just to try tithing for 100 days and see if God does not, um, he's not good to his word, does not keep his promises that He's promised. Well, today I want to give you another 100-day challenge. And this 100-day challenge is I want you for the next 100 days to write down where your money is going. That if you don't know, if you spend $15 at lunch, you write it down. $25 for gas, you write it down, whatever it is. If you prefer to do it electronically, that's great. I use Quicken. Maybe you want to use Mint online or Dave Ramsey's Every Dollar. I have done this for years And in any given month, I can tell you exactly where every dollar went. And because of that, Darla and I rarely argue about money. If you read the Gospels, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus teaches us that we will have to give an account on how we live our lives. And you will have to give an account on how you live your financial life as well. And so I want you to keep track of where your money is going because if you don't make any changes, if you don't make any changes, then you're not going to be able to manage what you've already been given. If you can't make any changes, then you're not going to be able to manage how God has already blessed you, that you need a plan. Here's the second part of this is you need a plan to get out of debt. As Dave Ramsey says, some of you manage debt like a pet. I mean, you just keep it around all the time. I mean, you feed it every month just exactly what it needs, and you're planning on having it with you for a long, long time. You have to decide you are not going to live like that anymore. Here at The Crossing, we offer Financial Peace University. If you have never taken FPU, you need to take this. Right now, we're actually in the middle of an FPU class, and so the next one we're going to offer is in February 2019. For some of you, you just need to make a mental note that you need to do this next time it comes around. Now, some of you are saying, well, I cannot wait until February to put a plan together. I need to get out of debt. So I'm not a financial counselor, but I'm going to give you just a couple of steps to help you get out of debt. Okay, here's step number one. You need to go to the bookstore, and you need to buy the book, The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. This is step one on helping you get out of debt. You just buy this book, and you read this book. Now, some of you say, I can't afford to read this. I can't afford to buy this book. And so here's what you're going to do. You're going to take that phone that you can't afford, And you're going to go to the bookstore, and you're going to turn to pages 106 out through 109 of this book right here. And you're going to take pictures of those pages. This is the debt snowball. You're going to take it home, and you're going to read all about it, put that plan into place. And then when you go to FPU, then we will give you this book as part of the class. You need a plan. You need a plan to get out of debt you need a plan. When my son got out of college, he was still driving the 16-year-old car that we had bought for him in high school. When we bought it for him in high school, it was old then. Well, it was really old now. And if you drive a 16-year-old car, you know that they just break down. Well, something had happened that broke down and it was going to cost a fair amount of money to fix it. And his friends were all going out to dinner. And they go, Josiah, we just feel so bad because you're not going to be able to join us for dinner because your car broke down. He's like, what are you talking about? He says, I have a savings account all set aside for when my car breaks down, I can pay for those. I can go out to eat. Well, they were looking at him like he was speaking a foreign language. They had not heard this before. Margin brings peace. And when you have margin... What used to be an emergency in your life is now just an inconvenience. And wouldn't you want to live like that? Because that's the way God has it for us. This week, I've had so many conversations with people about money. I have never seen $1 cause so much stress in people's lives. I've had people come to me during the week and say, you know, will you just take my dollar early? I don't want to carry it. And I said, nope, you got to bring it on Sunday. You know, you put it in the boxes. That there's something about money that just causes stress. People ask me, they go, are you going to be okay? It's like, I'm going to be okay. And I got this letter this week that I got permission to read. And they just write this. They say, dear Shane and the crossing team. I had the opportunity to bring some family members to the 830 service. When you started to talk about money, I surely wanted to pass out and call for a do-over. Of all topics on the one weekend that we convinced them to attend, money. I immediately thought, God, where are you? Within seconds, I was accepting the topic because as we all know, Satan is powerful and God is is more powerful the message was incredible and the one dollar bill was genius and genuine Encloses a check for a hundred days tithing paid in advance god first i am truly grateful i've never been able to explain tithing to my family and for the first time they've been impressed by the actions of someone at the church We all bring a lot of baggage from our church experiences, and often we find ourselves looking for any excuse not to believe instead of realizing we have every reason to believe. There are a lot of complexities with this topic, and my guess is that money issues can drive a lot of folks away from the church. Congratulations on finding the right way to touch on such a delicate topic. 100-day commitment fulfilled. Amen. How you manage your money is a spiritual issue. It is a spiritual issue. Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money. And if money worries consume you, it's going to be a barrier between you and God. Jesus said, Jesus said that that it is greed and the worries of this life that choke out God's word in our lives. And for some of you, God is being choked out in your life. And Jesus has a better way. Jesus wants you to be free. He wants you to feel peace. But you have to do it his way. Because the way you manage your money, it's a spiritual issue. And it may be the thing that's getting in the way of your relationship with God right now. Well, I want to pray with you. And for a lot of you, this is what you need to surrender to God. It is, it's this issue. Because money issues have consumed you for so many years, and you have no peace. You have no contentment. And God says, I've got a better way. So maybe for some of you, it's just surrendering that. For others of you, you bring in burdens every week in here that are just so heavy, you don't know if you can continue to go on. That you are dealing with so many things. And God's saying, give it to me. Give it to me. I'll take it. Jesus says, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the wisdom of your word. God, there's so many people in here right now that this money issue it has consumed them that the worries of this life how they're going to make ends meet the discontentment in what they have it just consumes them god we don't want that anymore and so we lay that at the feet of jesus you take it god there's others in here who have just walked in with some heavy burdens there's some in here who are carrying depression it is so overwhelming for them they don't know if they can move forward maybe it's betrayal a divorce a wayward kid so God we give this to you the burden is too much for us and we ask you to show up God show your power in our lives and we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.